This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Restoring an Effective and Just Government. A compilation of two articles by John Horvat II. This podcast is designed to describe a growing threat to the very idea of government in the United States and to describe a solution that is in line with the higher laws instituted by God. Both articles are read in the year 2020 by Edwin Benson. The first article describes this rising threat, using impeachment to make America ungovernable by John Horvat II. The bizarre impeachment drama is over, and most Americans still cannot make sense of it. The exhausting proceedings took America on an emotional roller coaster ride, providing an experience that was, to paraphrase Shakespeare, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Thus, most people blocked the hearings out of their lives. They hoped the issue would go away and life could return to normal. As the trial ends, some naively assume that there might be some rest from the vitriol before the grueling new election cycle begins. However, this sinister drama is not going away. There are many reasons to believe that this insanity is here to stay. It is not the case to judge the merits of the impeachment trial. It has already been decided and is not going to change. However... The partisan outcome indicates that this was a political, not legal, decision. The two sides coalesced around differing versions of America that cannot be reconciled. Thus, the impeachment was not about the president himself or his alleged wrongdoings. It was not even about his shortcomings. It was about the vision of America that he represents. This vision is far from ideal, since it includes many elements of the decadence that brought the country to its present crisis. It will not solve the moral crisis that is now far advanced. However, this vision of a prosperous, materialistic American way of life still resonates in vast regions of the nation. That vision does not resonate among liberals who want a different America. Those who are obsessed with abortion hate this first vision. Those who follow the religion of climate alarmism deplore this prosperous, carbon-friendly America. This vaguely moral vision of America does not resonate with drag queen story hour activists calling for the destruction of all moral barriers that restrain the disordered passions. The clash between these two Americas has long existed. What makes the present episode different is that it has now reached a breaking point with conservatives precariously in power. The liberals see that the victory of President Trump's vision of America must be defeated by any means possible. Its mere existence cannot be tolerated. This clash explains the intolerance and vitriol that is found in the politics of the liberal left since the last general election. It explains the constant obstruction and hype that have surrounded this administration. In light of this clash, so much fake news and commentary of liberal media makes sense. All stops must be pulled out to play this painful cacophony. Tragically, these tactics extend far beyond the normal disagreements that are part and parcel of politics. They now threaten the future of America as a nation. The present debate represents something very different from anything that has come before. It is no holds barred politics. It is a free-for-all out there. The twisted liberal logic of the present moment is that if this vision of America cannot be immediately defeated, then let the nation be made ungovernable. 
Dissect every word and telephone call. Let agencies and functionaries sabotage and leak information. Exploit every scandal. Destroy protocols and institutions. Let the government be antifa'ed by the resistance within. This has been the consistent policy of the liberal left. The impeachment is only the latest act in this macabre tragedy. Making America ungovernable should be recognized for what it is, sedition. And where national security is harmed, treason. What makes this clash so alarming is its almost irrational nature. It is as if the major characters no longer think it important to convince public opinion to take up their cause. The goal is not to persuade, but to impose, not to reason, but to emote. Those engineering the impeachment, for example, didn't seem to care if they appeared deplorable. They welcomed it. Every step of the way seemed designed to provoke and stoke passions against them. The proceedings were illogical, secretive, arrogant, and exhausting. The new radical left makes no effort to please the other side. It shows an Antifa-like disregard for those structures of order and civil discourse that have long preserved the American Union from chaos. In its desire to destroy, everything must be sacrificed. Some might object that such an analysis is unduly biased against the left. However, it is hard not to come to this conclusion based on the wild drama the nation just witnessed. The debate has given rise to something rarely seen in American politics. A large sector of the public seethes with hatred for the opposing one. It labels the opposition as racist and intolerant. This sector is willing to break any rules to achieve its ends, goading and provoking the opposition to respond violently. Since it is denied government, it seems determined to set fire to the nation. The key to opposing this destructive behavior is to control the narrative. Those who love and defend order and the rule of law must see the left's sigh war clearly and avoid it like a tar baby. They should recognize the real clash between two visions of America. They should sidestep the provocations and peacefully and legally denounce the antifization of a government that makes governing impossible. Above all, they must have the courage to think beyond a materialistic vision of America. They should return to the perennial moral values that will make America virtuous and once again governable. End of Using Impeachment to Make America Ungovernable by John Horvath II. Having defined the problem, it is now time for a solution. That solution cannot be reached by bringing the combatants, socialists, conservatives, and libertarians to a table to hash out a compromise. It is to turn to a higher law tradition that underpins all just law and governance. So now we bring you the article... Appealing to a Higher Law is the Only Way Out of Our Constitutional Crisis by John Horvath II. Among our decaying institutions, law has now entered into a new phase that creates dilemmas for peaceful citizens. Conservatives have long revered the rule of law as a source of order. They have opposed the radical left that desires to overthrow this order and therefore has no qualms about breaking the law to achieve its end. Throughout our nation's history, law has been anchored in reasonable and ancient foundations that date back centuries before our independence. This has provided the basis for debate and consensus needed for an ordered society. However, 
Issues like abortion, gun control, and transgender rights have now broken these foundations and imposed new and alien rules. Judicial activism has stretched the boundaries of this debate. Law has come to reflect those who interpret it. Decisions like Roe v. Wade have stained and disgraced the judiciary by taking away legal protection to the most vulnerable members of society, the unborn. Law that seemed so stable has now descended into chaos. The new phase in legal decadence is extending to more coercive measures that force people to do what they cannot in conscience accept. The latest flashpoint is in Virginia, where liberal politicians made campaign promises to enact stricter gun control laws. Many Virginians feel threatened and are protesting. A constitutional crisis over Second Amendment rights has ensued. 91 of the Commonwealth's 96 counties have declared themselves sanctuary counties, where the local law enforcement declare that they will not enforce new laws that they deem to be unjust and unconstitutional. These Virginians are not alone. The Second Amendment sanctuary movement appears to have strong support in 31 states. In parallel, anti-abortion Americans are building a sanctuary cities for the unborn movement. While in its turn on the political left, the illegal immigration sanctuary movement finds support in some 21 states. In challenging unjust laws, many conservatives are unsure just how to justify their positions in the face of a legal system they have always revered. They feel caught on the horns of a dilemma. Some are tempted by the slogan circulating among them that when laws seem unjust, it is time for a revolution. Addressing the dilemma is crucial for conservatives. The left, as is known, loses no sleep over anarchical overtones. The dilemma opens a Pandora's box that does more than oppose bad laws. It throws all civil authority into question. Some local governments believe that they might nullify or declare void the oppressive actions of higher governing bodies. Some take this one step further by anarchically declaring that individual citizens are entitled to nullify any laws they deem unjust. Such reasoning turns law into mere opinion, opening the way for all law to be undermined. Each person potentially becomes a separate law unto self. If all law is based on opinion, then no single person's judgment is any more valid than another's. Might easily becomes right in such a situation. This is anarchy. For a long time, constitutional protections were strong enough to safeguard the rights of citizens, even those unborn. However, the progressive erosion of legal concepts has now led to laws that defy the norms of right reason, which law should reflect. Law now evolves to suit human passions, not reality. New rights are found in its dark penumbras and ambiguities. Morality is disregarded in favor of liberating aberrations masquerading as freedoms. Challenging such a distorted notion of law on its own terms is futile. We cannot expect to win using the same mechanisms as the opposition. If legal relativism is accepted, there can be no certainties, including our own. When positive law alone rules, there are no guiding principles that can establish immutable safeguards that will uphold citizens' rights. Our present state of legal confusion will only become worse since it will enshrine chaos, not justice, into our judicial system. The 
only way out of our constitutional crisis is to return to the higher law tradition upon which our legal system is based. We can no longer live on the remnants of this tradition that still manage to maintain some order in society. This higher law tradition is found in our common law that reaches back over 900 years. It is based on human nature and not the fickle will of individuals. Such law is not defined by might or partisan politics, but by immutable principles. What made our law so binding and unchanging was the fact that a sacred trust bound it to a higher law. It was conceived in the conviction that the source of all law, in all its forms, was God and his eternal law. This is not to say that law was part of religion or its practice. It merely affirms that God placed in everyone an objective moral compass called natural law that makes social order possible. Its principles are the same for all peoples, places, and times, although its concrete expressions might vary. Social harmony is the result when people follow natural law. Under natural law, evils such as killing, lying, and stealing are universally recognized as wrong because they are contrary to human nature. Proof of the universal character of natural law can be found in Cicero's expressions of natural law, inborn or unwritten law. Indeed, St. Paul says everyone naturally knows this law since it is written on our hearts. See Romans chapter 2 verse 15. It can be perceived in society by unaided reason, although it is well summarized in the Ten Commandments. America's attachment to a higher law dates back before independence, as can be seen in this 1765 reference from the renowned English jurist Sir William Blackstone. Quote, this law of nature, being coeval with mankind and dictated by God himself, is of course superior in obligation to any other. It is binding over all the globe, in all countries, and at all times. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this, and such of them as are valid derive all their force and all their authority, mediately or immediately, from this original." Unquote. It is only this higher law tradition that can explain America's past order and stability, a rebuke to its present descent into legal chaos. Only when all were bound together in an objective legal order can there be ample protection against injustice. Indeed, unjust law can be denounced because there is a standard upon which law might be judged. By appealing to a higher law, anyone can claim the right of opposition to unjust laws or edicts. Moreover, both those who govern and are governed are equally subject to this higher order and can appeal to its precepts. Institutions like communities and churches likewise can also serve as voices of protest against government injustice. Under natural law criteria, the maxim, unjust law is not law, can be determined. Natural law comes to be regarded as universally obligatory and binding in conscience, Natural law keeps law from becoming a matter of opinions, passions, or might. Indeed, the internal voice of natural law compels countless Americans to affirm that procured abortion is unjust and that abortion law is neither settled nor law. 
It violates the most elementary notion of natural law against the taking of innocent human life. In the present juncture, we should appear to our strong higher law tradition that is still found embedded in so many documents and laws of our legal system. We should reject modern, sentimental, or evolving notions of law that give us no means to resist bad law. However, what makes this course difficult is that modern law has largely abandoned the natural law tradition in favor of positive law alternatives that accommodate the moral relativism of our days. Materialistic notions of society, for example, have reduced law to guidelines determined by the evolution of social forces. It deals with nothing metaphysical and excludes the idea of immortal souls. Such modern notions of law are now collapsing, and there are no systems to replace them that correspond to our human nature. This collapse is what makes the reappearance of natural law theories so appealing to postmodern society. We need certainties, and the mark of natural law always returns us to the heart and conscience of those who seek justice. In the coming debates over the nation's future, this return to natural law is the most secure way to fight against the legal chaos that has destroyed the rule of law. We must return to natural law to give our position force and impact. Thus, in the battle against unjust gun laws or procured abortion, for example, it is not enough to present the issue as a matter of personal choice that is being denied. Instead, we must explore natural law notions of self-defense, private property, or even national sovereignty. These crucial issues encompass the common good and make our case compelling and forceful. This law will direct us to God, who made both us and the natural law. Returning to our natural law tradition is the way out of the chaos that threatens to engulf us. End of Restoring an Effective and a Just Government, a compilation of two articles by John Horvat II. Thank you so much for listening. For additional articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.